What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. On today's show, Premier League preview for this weekend. Let's do it. This is the Sharp Angle. Every day on your favorite podcast player. Special thanks to Wise Money Sports. Online, wisemoneysports.com. If you're looking for help, how to bet smarter, different games to bet on, if you want access to a private professional portfolio, check them out online, wisemoneysports.com, on Twitter, at wisemoneysports. Also available, a one-on-one sports broker. If you're looking for a financial advisor in the world of sports, check them out online, wisemoneysports.com. All right, so I've got two best bets this weekend in the Premier League, a little bit of soccer on Saturday morning. And let's start off with Liverpool Reds, my most profitable team the last year and a half. Liverpool is on the road at Sheffield United. And I think the a lot of the handicap here comes down to how Sheffield United has been overrated to start the season. Sheffield United, one of the teams promoted last year from the championship, and I'll give it to to Chris Wilder. Their manager has done a great job last year getting them to play the right style to be promoted, and then this year bringing in the right pieces and changing the way they play to adapt to the Premier League. Mainly what they did is push more with their midfield and try and spread the ball out uh, side to side more with their uh, with their forwards. I mean, they used to run a you know 4-4-1-1 four, four, one, one last year. Now they're running three forwards almost regularly, and it's working in the Premier League. But here's the thing. You look at their couple wins this year that, they, that have been kind of notable. Well, Sheffield United beat Crystal Palace at home 1-0 to start the season. Huge win for Sheffield, but I see a Crystal Palace team who's bad on the road, late to start the season. And frankly, if you look at Zaha, who's on uh, Crystal Palace, he is their ticker. As he plays well, they play well. He went through contract disputes in the offseason. He himself, Zaha, got got off to a slow start this year, which is why Crystal Palace was so bad the first two, three weeks of the season. So I don't give much at all to Sheffield United's one nothing win at home against Crystal Palace. They lose to Leicester City 2-0 the next week at home, and then fast forward, we're only looking at their home games right now. Fast forward to uh, September 14th, just a few weeks ago, they lose at home one nothing to a Southampton Saints squad who on the road is 18th out of 20 in projected goals per game. Sheffield United right now, Here's what's standing out. As I said, the one nothing win at home to Crystal Palace. They drew Chelsea 2-2. And frankly, uh, last week in the Premier League, when they went on the road and beat Everton 2-0, that is the key that set this all into motion. It doesn't matter what sport you're talking about. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer. People often react to what they saw last. Sheffield United going out beating Everton 2-0 on the road. Everton is looked at as being a potential top six team in the league. Sheffield United promoted last year. What is the natural reaction? Wow. United, really good on the road. Look at how that defense played. Shut out Everton. All of the money is pouring in on Sheffield at home to keep this close. I don't think they can against Liverpool. And again, I started this by saying Liverpool is my most profitable team the last year and a half. The Reds are still underrated at this point in the season. But my handicap here isn't necessarily about Liverpool because they're on the road. Yes, they've won eight, excuse me, they've covered 18 road games in a row 
won 14 of those outright. This is the best road team in the Premier League, and Jurgen Klopp is on a mission this year. Jurgen Klopp, uh, Liverpool's manager, I think the best manager right now in the world. I love what he came out and said last week. And keep in mind, Liverpool has been dominating this year. Just beat Chelsea 2-1 last week. Came out and said, we're not happy. We're not satisfied. We may be five points ahead of Man City at this point in the season, which is unbelievable for Liverpool. But they're not content. They're putting their best lineup out there. They're still looking to press on the road. And Sheffield United, is, it, Sheffield United is simply a great matchup for Liverpool. The style they play, as I mentioned, Sheffield wanting to spread things out up top, that is bad for Liverpool. You want to keep things compact against the Reds and not, not allow yourself to fall into a trap of making long passes, having to pass out of situations. And frankly, that's what Liverpool defends against the best. When Liverpool faces teams who play the style Sheffield play, they thrive. Liverpool right here getting a discount because they're on the road and getting a major discount because Sheffield United has some false finishes this year. Sheffield, the most overrated team in the Premier League this season, going against, I think, the best team in the entire league. Yes, better than Man City. Give me Liverpool minus one at minus 185. That way, if Liverpool only wins by one, we get our money back. And if they tie the game, I mean, if they draw, of course, you lose the bet. But I don't think Liverpool finds a way to not get three points in this matchup. I absolutely love the Reds in my best bet of the weekend. But Not too far behind them. I do like one more game. AFC Bournemouth hosting West Ham. Now, similar to to, uh, Sheffield United, I think West Ham is simply overrated. Now, let's look at their most recent matchup. You're going to see, you're going to send some themes here. Last week, West Ham hosting Manchester United, the New York Yankees of the league, right? They win 2-0. Now, West Ham last week, if you looked at expected goals per game, and it really doesn't matter where you look. You can look at understat.com, 538.com. Some of the most respected sources in, in the industry say West Ham's expected goals last, last week was well under a half of a goal, yet they scored two. And if you go back and start examining West Ham's expected goals throughout the season, when they played Norwich City at home, they won 2 nothing. their expected goals Point four. They beat Newport County on the road in the Football League Cup, 1-2-0. Their expected goals, 1.1. When they beat a struggling Watford team on the road, they won 3-1. The expected goals, Watford won that, 1.1 to 0.8. So what am I getting across here? What's my point? West Ham, for being right now where they are on the table, West Ham's fifth <laughs> in the Premier League. Guess what their expected goals per game is? 19th, second to last. I don't think this keeps up. I think West Ham soon gets exposed to be the weak defensive team they are. And frankly, these th- what, what's happening here, this happens all the time for certain streaks in hockey and soccer. You'll get, you'll get teams who aren't, tr- who aren't expected to score many goals. And just by the nature of the sport, they sneak a few in here or there. And if West Ham finds a way to score 2-1 game, it's not hard to sneak a couple in goal, but that changes the entire outlook of the game, right? I mean, whether we're talking penalty kicks, set pieces, whatever it is, if you sneak one in in the 10th minute and you happen to get some fluky, weird goal, I'll be the first to admit, hockey and soccer, my two specialty sports, the only two sports I originate in, have the highest luck factor 
well, that's debatable, but some of the highest luck factors of any sport. And the reason is simple. There's such low scoring. When something goes wrong, a.k.a. West Ham finding ways to manufacture in the final third, that shows up in the data as, wow, West Ham's a great offensive team. When the metadata, the advanced analysis says, wait a minute, West Ham is scoring, but they shouldn't be scoring. And I'm willing to bet if we string this season out, West Ham is going to start trajecting downwards. That that, that graph in the next month or two is not going to look good for the West Ham Hammers. So I'm going to begin fading them this week against an underrated, very, very, very good AFC Bournemouth team at home. Now, Eddie Howe, Bournemouth's manager, is, I think... He's a top 10 manager, very underrated for what they've done the last couple of seasons, the style they play, their versatility. They can go a a 5-4-1 to a 3-4-1. I mean, this team is unbelievable the the way they can switch things up. You look at last week, they go on the road, beat Southampton. A couple weeks before that, they host Everton at home, win 3-1 switching up their style in each game, doing what they need to do to guarantee the win. Now, you look at Bournemouth's season, they have one of the toughest schedules so far in the year. They've played Liverpool, Man City, Leicester City, Everton, Aston Villa, and Southampton. I mean, we're talking about the top of the table and a couple other very good teams. Yet, where does Bournemouth sit in the table? Just one point behind the West Ham Hammers. AFC... Is not necessarily for real a top six team, but so far they are playing night and day above West Ham. Bournemouth gets the game at home where they traditionally thrive. Last 12 games, they've won 10 outright at home. I trust them over, yes, I know Emmanuel Pellegrini, the the manager for West Ham, has made some adjustments the last few weeks to adapt to pressing teams like Bournemouth. But if you give me the roster that is so underrated, Colin Wilson, one of the best strikers in the league, Nathan Ake, one of the best scoring defenders, I should say two-way defenders because we know, or those who watch the Premier League know that Nathan Ake is one of the best finishers on set pieces. But if you watch him defend the way he marks man-to-man, I don't know how many defenders over... Virgil van Dijk and maybe Toby Alderweireld I would take in the entire Premier League. Nathan Ake is a two-way player. He doesn't get talked about enough. Josh King, great forward. David Brooks, underrated midfielder. And how about Harry Wilson? Transitioning from Derby County last year, really thriving this year. And, and let's not forget he was alone from Liverpool, but still thriving this year at AFC. They have so many pieces they can score at different pe- at different points on the field. It doesn't matter whether it's a set piece as a corner, a free kick, or whether they're driving up the middle of the field, or they're pushing it down the side where Josh King and Ryan Frazier can get involved on the right-hand side. No matter what they do, I guess what I'm saying here is Bournemouth can attack any way they want. And I think they will find success against this porous West Ham offense. And you combine that with the fact that I don't trust West Ham to finish like they have been. I absolutely think AFC Bournemouth at plus 150 for the game, great odds. So again, Liverpool minus one at minus 185. AFC Bournemouth money line plus 150. Now there's a couple other games that I did want to touch on. Chelsea this week. Chelsea has been very up and down this season. New coach or new manager, Frank Lampard. Uh, (laughs) For many Premier League fans, it's like I was actually talking to, uh, I do a college football podcast and uh, Will Chambers, the host of it, used to be a pretty big Premier League fan. And (laughs) when I told him Frank Lampard was the new manager of Chelsea, he goes, wait, 
He's not playing anymore. I mean, it's literally that recent. This guy is young, never managed before ever, and he got the Chelsea gig. Well, he knows what he's doing. I mean, the the lineups he's putting out there, what he's saying to the press, it appears that they're starting to kind of gain traction. They looked horrible to start the season, but last week's 2-1 loss against Liverpool at home, I think that showed a ton of resilience. I mean, Liverpool came out and dominated the first half hour of that game, and Chelsea dug in and really came back to almost find a way to tie that up at the very end. Now, despite their slow start, the last couple games, they won 7-1 in the EFL Cup against Grimsby Town. They won 5-2 on the road against the Wolves. Yes, we talked about the 2-2 draw at uh, Sheffield earlier, but they drew, uh, uh, they drew Leicester City at home 1-1. So you keep going back and back, and, it, and, and the results get worse and worse. But what I honestly think is Chelsea is bound to break out, and this could very well be the game they do it. They're at Brighton, and, or excuse me, they're hosting Brighton, and this it, this is simply about the style that Brighton plays. Brighton Hove Albion, last year under Chris Hewton, who I think wrongly got fired, they ran a very defensive system. They, they ran four, five, sometimes six guys on the back, really threatened you with the counterattack. I mean, last year, if you think of what kind of a team is Brighton, very much sit back, defend, and pick their spots. Well, this year is completely different. New manager, new system. Brighton came into the year wanting to push. That's a good thing for certain teams and certain styles. What's going to hurt them is games like this against the Chelsea team who can take advantage of that on the back end, simply because of Chelsea's speed up front. Now, Brighton, again, I think they are not going to be in the relegation contention. I, I see them finishing anywhere from 14 to 16, maybe 17. But they're not going to be there. Well, I mean, I guess 17 would be in the contention. But I think that's very the floor for them. I, I see them more around 14-15. This is going to be a good year for Brighton, but this is simply a bad matchup for them. So if you combine Chelsea, their awful start to the season, I think they're slightly underrated in the market. And Brighton on top of that, they've had a good start to the year, but this is really a bad matchup for them, especially on the road. This could be the game that Chelsea gets things going. It, to me, is a pass, but if I'm forcing a play, I would likely play the Asian handicap, meaning you get Chelsea minus one or minus one and a half. That means the way it will look online or in the sports book is Chelsea, uh, the, the goal line will be minus one comma minus 1.5. All that means is if they win by one goal, you get half your money back, you lose half your money, and if they win by two goals, then you win your bet outright. So that would be my bet there. The only reason I'm a little bit scared is because Chelsea has looked so bad this year, and I don't know what their lineup is going to be. If they want to suddenly give some... If Lampard wants to give, um, oh my gosh, I can't believe I, I'm, I'm uh, spacing on his name, the American forward, it's uh, Pulisic, Christian Pulisic, more time, then that would be a negative for Chelsea. I mean, he has a record, not a record signing, but he's a huge signing for them. They've had a bunch of money to get Pulisic over to the team. And frankly, what I see is someone who thrived in the Bundesliga with a team like Dortmund. I mean, honestly... I think Christian Pulisic would do very well in the Premier League with an AFC Bournemouth or a Southampton or even a Wolves where he could maybe play as a nine-man. I don't think that there's room for him on Chelsea. He's not fast enough. He's not. He's. It seems like they're not working well enough in the final third. There's really no place for Pulisic right now. And for spending, what, $70, $80 million on this guy, they're running out of time to find out a way to work him into the lineup. I mean, going into the EFL Cup last week, it was like, 
look, if Pulisic doesn't find the net, there's going to be issues. And you could tell watching that game how he was just craving to score a goal. And he's frustrated right now talking about Pulisic. So I don't think he gets time here. But the reason why I don't love Chelsea is there's so many question marks with the lineup. I'm going to have to see what they put out there before I back Chelsea. Uh, a couple other notable things to keep an eye on. And yes, we'll talk about some fan favorite teams here. Uh, Tottenham. Uh, their manager, Mauricio Pochettino, who I really do like. It seems like he's getting frustrated with the lack of depth on the squad. Now, Tottenham the last couple of years has been no, has been kind of known for not making the off-season moves, not doing much during the transfer window. They've said, we're young, we're going to grow this talent. But I think they've missed a few opportunities to at least fill in that midfield or work for the depth on defense. I mean, Vertagen and Andrew and Toby Alderweireld, some of the best defenders in the league, but they're getting to that point where they're going to reach their, you know, past their prime soon. I mean, Tottenham really has to think about the depth they have on defense and they should have started building that this season. So, I think that Tottenham is one of the more overrated teams. They get so much money in England, they get so much money in America, yet Mauricio Pochettino came out this week and completely thrashed his team, something very out of his character, said, we have so many guys on this team who are going in different directions, some playing for themselves, some playing for a new contract, some playing to get noticed by their you know, countries and their nations. What he see, and I don't know what to make of this. It's like, I'm sitting here going, what? I didn't know this was going on. I'm watching this press conference going, well, we're crossing Tottenham off as a buy sign for the next couple of weeks. That's a bad thing. When's the last time you heard any coach, any manager in any sport say, no, no, no one's on the same page. Everyone's playing for themselves. We have a bunch of selfish players on this team. I mean, it sounds like the New York Knicks, right? So I'm not about to back a Tottenham team. What are they getting this week? Let's see here real quick if I can pull this up. They are, <laughs> they're hosting Southampton. They're minus 230 at home. Minus one is paying minus 150. Uh, I'm not about to back South or back Tottenham at all. I mean, I think they probably win that game. Yes, Tottenham probably finds a way to correct the mistake, score some goals. I think we we will probably see uh, Son get on the board. He hasn't scored a goal in a couple games, but still, am I will? It's not about the team. We bet numbers, not teams. Am I about to pay minus two thirty to see if Tottenham's going to turn it on? And if you get the same goal advantage we got in the Liverpool game, you're still paying minus one fifty. That, to me, is so overpriced. If you're going to look anywhere in that game, you have to look Southampton, but it's an absolute pass for me. And last but not least, Man United. Now, this is a very interesting game. They host Arsenal this week, and I do lean Man U. I think Man U is still definitely a top six team in the league. Everyone is kind of jumping off the ship. I really don't see why. They've had a tough schedule so far. Old Gunnar Solskjaer is finding a way to kind of bleed this team back into contention this year. And what I mean by that is, last year, he found a way to turn things around Solskjaer when he took over Man U. Now this year, they got off to a slow start. Everyone's jumping off the bandwagon. I, what are they right now in the in the Premier League? I think 10th or 11th in points. This is still a top six team. You combine that with Arsenal. Their last 31 games on the road, they've allowed a goal in 27 of those games. Again, 27 of the last 31 games on the road, Arsenal has given up a goal. I think Man U finds a way to score here, and I think Man U wins this game. I see both teams to score. I see a fairly high-scoring event. The only reason why I'm out of this game is because of Man U up front. They're injured, as many of you know. Uh, um, 
Rashford got banged up a few weeks ago. He will likely be out this upcoming game. And a lot of people start going back to Lukaku. Why did you get rid of Lukaku? Well, that was pretty obvious to those following Man United. He was a cancer in the locker room. He was complaining about uh, playing time. And he actually, the final straw was Romelu Lukaku went and practiced with uh, Inter Milan without any permission. You usually have to get permission from your home club to go practice with other teams. He did not. They took that as a kind of a sign. You combined everything that he didn't do well in the locker room. He was ruffling feathers, really arguing about playing time last year when he didn't produce that well at all. Lukaku had to go, right? So now he's at Inter Milan playing in Serie A, fine. But man, you didn't do anything to fill that gap, fill that void. There's no depth now up front. If they suffer an injury like they did with Rashford, they're really left searching for answers up front. So that's why I don't love Man U. This price to me says they're healthy with their forwards and they're clearly not right now. So I think that the line's about right, if not slightly in favor of actually Arsenal, but it's not nearly enough for me to make the bet. I still think Man U wins, but again, up front, major question marks, and I think it's fair to start at this point in the season calling out that Man U front office, starting to ask questions, why did they not do more to fill that void, to fill that gap? If they really have ambitions and finishing in the top six, or even the top four, they needed to do more. So my favorite games for the weekend, Liverpool, minus one at minus 185, and AFC Bournemouth, Moneyline, plus 150. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Sharp Angle. This is The Sharp Angle, every day on your favorite podcast player.